Shall we begin with a disclaimer? Go ahead. The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employer and possibly, as we'll discuss in the G&B update, sponsor. Oh, what? Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay, I don't know, I don't know about this. Okay. All right, let's go. Here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Miley Cyrus says Time Magazine's Person of the Year will offer an alternative who did more for women and people in general in 2013 than Miley has done for tongues for her entire life. How far would you walk for your favorite band? Meet the man who could have inspired the Proclaimers to write a song. Why Apple probably won't win the car wars. It's all about supplementing, not integrating into your dashboard. Best wedding advice ever. A GNB listener offers YouTube video advice. Plus a GNB preview of next week's Shattastic episode. And why you won't be smelling like George Takai on Christmas morning. Oh my. Miley Cyrus, Times Person of the Year. Yeah, we got to stop this. Now, okay, Do you, when was the last time you bought a Time magazine? I haven't bought Time magazine in ever. I don't think I've ever actually bought a Time magazine. Really? I used to subscribe when Publishers Clearinghouse used to send those things to the house. And uh, so I would get it for, for a year or whatever it was. But that was a long time ago. I haven't bought Time in forever because uh, the idea of reading a magazine featuring material that happened more than a week ago is, well, it's kind of crazy today. But nevertheless, uh, Time's Person of the Year is still a big deal in media circles, and everybody waits to see who gets the cover and gets the honor at the end of the year. And uh, So what's the problem with Miley being the Person of the Year? There are, there are people that are a little bit more worthy on a worldwide basis, affecting people's lives in a positive way than, than, than Miley Cyrus. I mean, if I... If, if, you know, like we could talk about uh, Edward Snowden. I mean, this is a guy who has been in the news constantly since uh, he, he ratted out on those NSA files. Um, there would be Elon Musk, who is the real-life Iron Man, the real-life Tony Stark. I mean, he, he's been doing some incredible stuff. Um, but my pick is um, Malala Yousafzai. I probably pronounced that wrong. But she was that uh, Afghan girl who was shot in the head and then recovered and was ended, ended up being nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize for all the stuff that she's trying to do for, for women and young girls in, in, in Afghanistan and other parts of the world. I would pick her in a heartbeat over Miley Cyrus, because what did she do? <laughs> Stuck out her tongue a whole bunch of times. Twerked. Well, I suppose it all depends on what the criteria is for what qualifies for a person of the year. If we're talking about chatter, it's definitely going to be Miley, because... Everywhere you went, people had an opinion about Miley, but most people wouldn't know who Malala was. And no one's talking about Edward Snowden because it's a nerd and it's uh, not very cool. And there's a whole segment of the U.S. population that thinks he's a traitor. Well, it doesn't matter if it's positive or negative. You're right. It is, you know, which person had the greatest effect on society over the past 12 months. And Miley's thing is the reason why we're even talking about this is because there's a, a reader component 
uh, reader voting component to it. Yeah. And, and you know, just because if she wins that poll doesn't mean that she's going to be named person of the year. But come on. She has nearly 28 percent of the votes. Well, the other thing, too, is that it looks like the voting has been fixed. In what way? Multiple people. Well, same people making multiple votes for, for Miley. Doesn't that always happen, though? Yeah, well, it's, you know, whenever you open something up to, to Internet voting, you're going to get some, some, some weirdness. But please, cooler heads, let's prevail. Let's make Malala person of the year. I can't imagine a more deserving person. And you're just going to encourage Miley and her ilk to, uh, to do more of the same if she gets any kind of recognition. So, no, don't. Meantime, you report this week on alancross.com, the previous generation's version of Miley Cyrus. .ca. Oh, yes, .ca, sorry. .ca. Who, who is alancross.com? Okay, alancross.com is apparently a guy in Kent, England. Uh, if you just go to it right now, so just go. Well, there's like nothing on it. I know. That flag, that English flag has been flying there since 2001. Yeah, yeah it looks like he built it in 2001. Yeah, I swear to God, this has been lo- it's been there from 2001. I've, I've done a Who is search on him. I've, I've sent him an email saying, hey, can I buy this from you? No response. No response. I have a feeling what he's done is that uh, this is his son. And when the son was born, he registered the domain, so the son will have it in perpetuity, thereby screwing me out of it. Ah, yeah, it's kind of like what I've done with Hainsworth.com. I bought it for 10 straight years. Yeah. So uh, I have a feeling that that's, uh, that's the issue. So to tie in Miley Cyrus to Madonna, Madonna is actually helping her loathsome brother. Yeah, he, you know, we've heard about this guy for quite some time. Um, Madonna has a near-to-well brother in Michigan who has had all kinds of issues with uh, alcohol and homelessness and all the rest of it. He sounds like a bit of a, of a lost cause. But uh, now he seems to have turned his life around. He's, he's dried out. He's working at a rehab center. He's working at the rehab center in, in Hollywood. And uh, he is... Uh, in need of a new pair of teeth. Wow, well, all, all his teeth. You know, he was... When you're that kind of drug abuser and that kind of uh, alcoholic and, and you end up, you know... <laughs> what's the word? Uh, neglecting your dental hygiene... Uh, you end up losing your teeth really fast. fast. But um, as as some kind of peacemaking deal, um, Madonna's buying her brother some new teeth. Because didn't you report on a previous episode of Geeks and Beats that uh, she doesn't talk to him anymore? No, no, no. I mean, he's he's pretty much estranged from the family. But uh, because he's one year clean and sober, she's willing to get him a new set of chompers. Yeah, I mean, this will be seventy or $80,000 if you do it right. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you have to do the, the whole implants thing, oh, yeah, it's about seventy or $80,000. She made $125 million this past year. Um, she can afford it. Yeah, she can definitely afford it. Yeah. I've seen pictures of the guy. He he does look like a bit of a sad sack. And you, you know, every family's got one, right? There's there's <laughs> there's always somebody there that's that's gonna cause the rest of the family heartache. And I guess uh, it's Martin Tricconi in this particular case. And if there's no one in your family causing family strife, it's you. He's you, or you're not being honest with yourself. Exactly. Bye. Fan walks 3,500 kilometers just to have a beer with his favorite band. Yes. Now, metal fans are a breed apart. Just understand that. Okay. And um, this guy walked from France to Finland <laughs> just to have a beer with his metal band. Uh, the band is called uh, Sonata Arct- uh, Arctica. 
and they were recording an album in, in, in some little town in Finland. So uh, this guy, his name is Jordan Langway, he decided that he was going to go visit them, so uh, he did a Forrest Gump and walked there. Why would you walk? <laughs> it took him 140 days. He had the time? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, metal, metal fans have an awful lot of time on their hands. Well, this guy does. I think it's, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's fascinating, but uh, you know, good for him. Um, and, you know, it, it would have been funny if the band had turned him away because there's one, you know, the story goes that, you know, if you're, if you're a, a musician in Finland, people can find you. And uh, apparently people had been showing up at the studio or at the rehearsal space for this band and they would just politely turn them away. But when Paul Langlois shows up, he says, uh, I just, I, I, I walked 3,500 kilometers to be here with you guys. Uh, can I come in? And they took pity on him and then let him in. This guy had to have videotaped himself with the big adventure and set up a website and all this kind of stuff. Because how could you possibly invest 140 days into walking 3,500 kilometers and not have some sort of documentation of it? Um, like like this, this is something that you tell your grandchildren about well it is i don't i can't find anything here oh and i found more you know here's what really annoys me i put up so many postings every day and i don't proofread them properly so i have to go and uh, you finding typos yeah yeah you spelled my last name wrong i know i know i'm sorry what's wrong with you i i don't know <laughs> You've been uh, hepped up on the music streaming services uh, over, like, how long have you been actively following this as a beat? Probably three years now. Well, actually, it goes along uh, further when, when Pandora first came out. And uh, actually, before that, there was a, a, a something called Firefly, where you would enter three different artists into these fields, and they would make recommendations. Firefly would make recommendations on those artists uh, or on, on a combination of, of what those artists sound like. And it was actually pretty cool. But then I got into Fire, uh, then to Pandora, and then um, since then I've been kind of following things. It's very expensive to be in the uh, music streaming game. And the question is, is will these types of services be able to go it alone or will they have to pair up uh, with the major players in the market? Yeah, uh, you know, Pandora is making a little bit of money as far as I understand, uh, but none of the other services are making any money. And that's because the bigger you get, the higher your costs rise. And there's no way under current copyright rules for you to scale in such a way that your margins increase with your size. You always end up having the same percentage of uh, costs that you do to gross revenues. So... Um, you really need deep, deep, deep pockets. Um, you know, Spotify recently got another injection. I think it was a $250 million. Um, RDO had a big downsizing. I think they got rid of like 20% of their staff. Slacker had some layoffs. Uh, Deezer is possibly going to be bought by Microsoft. Um, Sony has their own music streaming service, which is uh, a feature of their, their PlayStation um, consoles. So you, you got to wonder whether or not that, that, you know, the big organizations who have deep pockets, who need to get into this music streaming arena are just going to buy, buy some of the existing players. RDO, for example, is, um, one of the big investors in RDO is Cumulus, which is the second largest radio group in the United States. And apparently they're into RDO for like $200 million. Hmm. And, you know, given what iHeartRadio has done for, uh, Clear Channel, which is the largest radio broadcasting group in the United States, Cumulus might buy their way into that same space as well. And again, it all comes back to um, mobile listening, whether it be on phones, in cars, or, or on tablets, or, or in uh, on laptops. So 
Um, I, I'm just wondering, okay, so if Sony has their thing already, if Microsoft buys Deezer, which makes sense because they're way behind Apple and, and Google, Apple has their thing, Google has their thing, Cumulus buys RDO, you know, and whatever happens to Spotify because they are just hemorrhaging money. I heard, what did I hear? I, that RDO has, no, not uh, Spotify has something like 3,000 staff members. Holy moly, that's outrageous. It's, it's incredible. All over the world, 3,000. So how do you maintain, uh, you know, you're just going to be burning through money? Pandora seems to be doing fairly well, at least as far as the revenue side goes. In their uh, last report, their revenues were up 50% year over year, brought in about $182 million. And about 36% of that was ad revenue. Only 20% of it was subscription service in the quarter. And even that part of the business was up 162% year over year, despite the fact that Apple came out with iTunes Radio. Well, Pandora got there first. And uh, Pandora is very well entrenched um, in people's minds. I saw a presentation, and this was a couple of years ago, that um, if you took all of Pandora listening and compared it to all of radio listening uh, in, in, in the United States, Pandora had somewhere between, depending on how you measured it, 2 to 4% of all radio-type listening in the U.S., all of it. And that's, that's high. That's a lot. So uh, now that Pandora has apps that are available on mobile devices, and now that you can, in, in, you can buy a car and there's a Pandora button uh, on your dashboard. Um, I had a Mazda that I was driving a little while ago, and there was a Pandora button there. It's, it's just, it, you know, they've gotten into that space. And uh, so they've got a, an opportunity to, to pad some kind of lead in terms of at least market awareness and, and uh, market penetration. Well, they had about 73 million active users before Apple launched iTunes Radio. And then after the iTunes Radio came on stream, they only lost about a million and a half subscribers, while iTunes Radio gained 20 million subscribers. So the pie is getting bigger, despite the fact that the competition is getting more intense. Yes, the pie is getting bigger. What also is rather interesting is that um, if you look... Uh, sort of a corollary of this. If you look at the sales of digital tracks in the United States, they're actually, I think, 4% below where they were last year. So people aren't buying digital tracks anymore. They're simply streaming them. You point out about this uh, button in the car that you had rented that gets you to the streaming music service. Rewrite web through your uh, website today, pointing out that um, the future of iOS in the car is supplemental to the vehicle's infotainment system, not integral. Yeah, this is something that came out of this Dash conference I was at uh, earlier this year. You have two ways of making cars connected. The first way is to turn over the connect uh, the connected technology to smartphones, third parties, people outside the automobile manufacturing industry. That means you would get whatever's on your dashboard would be uh, the, the, your phone would be a conduit to that. Then there's the idea of no automobile manufacturers want to control every aspect of every component that's in their car. So uh, rather than turn over this infotainment technology stack in their dashboards to third parties like uh, like Apple or Google or QNX or whoever else, they're, they're going to keep it and uh, allow the phones to uh, be supplemental to what they're actually offering. And the reason is that these infotainment stacks, 
are actually helping move cars off lots. And manufacturers are pointing out that you know their vehicles have these advantages over the competition and it's not just in horsepower and gas mileage and other and, and you know amenities it's also in terms of the technology that these cars ask so they're not about to give up that advantage over their over their um, over the competition it's been three years since apple launched the ipod out service with ios 4 that gave 35 different car companies, the ability to easily add uh, iOS integration. And then they've enhanced that ever since with this thing they call iOS in the car. But as I understand it, it's not basically mirroring what's on your smartphone screen on the dashboard. Apple has restricted the apps on the iOS in the car to just core Apple-specific apps like the Maps, the Messaging, and Siri. Two things here. First of all, it takes a long time for the automobile technology to iterate to be able to in, in, incorporate all this material. What we're talking about here um, is, is, is a button, like a Siri button on your steering wheel. So it takes a long time for the automobile manufacturers to get around to doing that. The other, the other thing that people are very aware, uh, aware of is the National Transportation Safety Board. And they're, they're concerned about distracted driving. So Apple is taking a very, very careful um, approach to putting stuff up on screens. That's what it is, because everybody's waiting for the safety people to say what you can and cannot do with connected cars. If you integrated your smartphone into your car, we're talking now about the ability to tune your car. There are little dongles you can get that plug in uh, to the, what is it? It's the diagnostic port on your car that not only allows you to understand what some of the error codes are, and it allows you to fine tune how your vehicle operates as well. And so if you had a bug in an app that impacted the steering mechanism of the car, someone's going to have to take the fall for that. And if Apple opens up iOS in the car to third-party developers, someone's going to have to be responsible for ensuring those apps are safe. Yes, um, malware. Um, uh, yes, nothing to say nothing of hacking somebody's car. Ex- exactly. So, I mean, there's, there's a huge liability issue here where um, <laughs> I heard a story about a guy who had a Tesla and the Tesla wouldn't start. So um, he called the, the 1-800 number that uh, you, you call when you have these issues. And uh, the person on the other said, uh, okay, um, here's what you want to do. Put your keys on top of the car, stand back. And okay, I've just rebooted your car. You may go. That would upset me to no end, particularly since those cars are two hundred grand. Yes, um, I sat in one the other day. the 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 size of the screen in the in in, uh, in the dashboard is 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 it's like it's bigger than an, uh, a full size iPad. It's huge. It's just it's it's like having a having a widescreen TV. So then, coming back to that, you could hack into that screen if that system was open enough. And you could put anything you wanted on. You could watch a DVD on your dashboard if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, you could. Um, <laughs> there was a guy that was I read about the other day. He was busted for watching a movie in his car while he was driving. But are you happy with the, the Tesla experience? Do you think you're going to get one? Because I, I know you're a car nerd. I, I am a car nerd, but I'm, a, I'm not a four-door guy. I'm going to wait for... Um, I'm going to wait for uh, um, a two-door. I did, however... Before they they went into bankruptcy, I did take a uh, Fisker out for a ride, and I really liked the Fisker. Now the Fisker is not a full electric car; it's a hybrid. So you start out on uh, on battery power, and then when you run out of battery power, um, you have a gas engine that charges everything up. I really liked the Fisker. Isn't that the same premise behind uh, the Ford? Hybrid vehicles. There are a variety of hybrid systems. Um, the one that seems to be the big one is is well. There's a whole bunch of different ones. Um, 
you know, Porsche's got one with electric wheels or electric motors in every wheel. Their new uh, Spider 918, which apparently can go zero to 60 in about 2.3 seconds. Each wheel gets its own motor? Yeah, each wheel gets its own motor plus uh, its its gasoline motor. So the effective horsepower in the whole thing is, is something like 850 horsepower or something. It's crazy. I want one. Time now for a Geeks and Beats update. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. We have a cool producer. Okay. Everything old is new again. Uh, Garth Newton, who was uh, one of our very first co-producers on episode 10 of season one on this podcast has everything uh decided he wanted to get back into the co-producing game and went to geeksandbeats.com slash donate opened his wallet as one does in a typical hollywood production to become a co-producer and made the donation possible so this is now his show okay well we thank you garth uh put it on your resume and uh we hope that uh, it will help you get a dream job And it'll help us keep the show going. And on top of that, we have this week an email in the bin from one listener who says that uh, he'd like to actually not only donate the 25 bucks, but he'd like to bump it up to 50, but make it his law firm. Sure. Whatever. Okay. we can we can we can do that. Hey, where is this money going, by the way? It's just sitting in an account at the moment. Every time we got a major um, uh, purchase that we need to make for the big show. Bada bing. Ah, okay. So we're up to 50 bucks right now. That on top of uh, the previous co-producer, which was the co-producers in love, Steve Feek and Carol Law, who just recently got hitched. Yes. They promise us they're going to send us photos from the big day. Well, very sweet. Um, Yes, indeed. So, yeah, so uh, this all goes to the maintenance and the upkeep of the big show. And uh, in that vein as well, remember we were talking about how I've got a problem with uh, the uh, Geeks and Beats East studio here that I'm in, is that I've got a problem with Flutter Echo. Oh, yeah, you need to get some uh, acoustic dampening in your room. Exactly. And as part of that acoustic dampening, uh, we've got Wave Acoustic uh, and Danny. He is going to, uh, for a bit of a discount... And for quite an obvious plug on the big show, he is going to outfit my entire studio here with the necessary acoustic panel. What are you going to get? Uh, we are going to get, and, and the spousal approval factor on this is really low. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, but I've managed to convince Wifey that we're going to put a few up, and if that doesn't solve the problem, we'll put the rest up as well. Okay. But we're really just going to put them all up. Yeah, do it. Uh, is this the eggshell? No, we're not going to go eggshell because of the spousal approval factor is very low on that. These are just the fabric panels that have the acoustic material embedded inside behind the fabric. Yeah, that's what I have in here right so two by four panels uh two on each wall all of the walls in the joint so that uh, when i clap my hands it doesn't have that tinny sound associated with it right and here's here's my room yeah clap the clap ends Thank you very much to Danny. We're, we're going to pick those up next weekend. We're going to get him a dedicated ad on the website. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to whip out my iPhone. And I'm going to ask him a few questions about uh, sound dampening for home theaters. Because when I bought this house, I built a home theater in the basement. And I made the foolish mistake of lining it with hard panel posters 
which completely ruined the acoustics. Yeah, I know. I have the same kind of issue because my home theater is in a in a great room, a two story great room, that's open to the entire main floor. So it's it's not what it should be really. Meantime, uh, PEI Paul Allen sent us a super tooth action shot after winning the best concert story ever contest. Oh yes, forgot about you. Hi, Paul. So he sent us a uh, he sent us a picture of him holding the super tooth disco sound bar uh, from Super Tooth and the folks at Max Borges Agency. And, of course, he held it at crotch level. Because that does tie in with his story. Exactly. Uh, with uh, taking a picture of Joe Perry and then the camera shutter went off as he lowered the camera towards crotch level. So thank you very much for passing that along. We put that up on the website. And thanks again to Max Borges Agency. Also, thanks to Keith Tomasek from Festival Reviews. What is this? He sent us off a tweet saying, love the latest podcast. Congratulations, guys. Keep it up. He's got his own podcast. Okay. Thank you, Keith. His podcast is called The Inadequate Life. It's a podcast about the creative process and people whose lives depend on it. And he has a connection to the Stratford Festival. You know what we should do? I have to go away next week. I'm, I'm, I'm heading to the Southern Caribbean Command Center for, for a week. Uh, maybe there's two things we can do. Number one, we can do the um, podcast as, as usual because I do have a very strong Wi-Fi set up down there. Um, or I can just pass along, and this is... Follow me on this. I can pass along the interview I did with William Shatner, a alumnus of the Stratford Festival. So are you saying that you would use that instead of us doing an episode? Yes, you could set it up and, and you know, it's, it runs about 19 minutes. You can have the whole thing. You know what? Let's do that. Okay. It's a very funny interview. He talks about his new album and basically we go through the, uh, his musical career. Let's do that. Meantime, oh, as it ties back into... Uh, Carol Law and uh, Steve Feek, who recently got married, a couple of GNB listeners, you had provided some excellent advice specifically to, to newlyweds, to newlywed men, which was don't try to solve her problem, just listen to it. Yes. So Brentan is his uh, Twitter handle, said, Best wedding advice? Check out It's Not About the Nail on YouTube. By sheer coincidence, uh, one of the guys at my personal trainer place uh, was talking about this one because he was having some problems with um, trying to fix something. Mm, yeah, see, when it comes to the ladies, you never want to try to fix it. You just want to listen. That's right. In this video, the girlfriend clearly has a nail sticking out of her forehead, but of course the boyfriend can't say a word about it. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. 
That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got a question about music, love, that suspicious rash? Ask Alan anything. Call 323-319-NERD. So have you heard George Takai has an actual celebrity scent? Speaking of William Shatner, the two of them don't get along, by the way. Well, they don't. No, 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 no. I've, um... Why not? Um, I think that George is a little miffed that he and his character wasn't as big as Shat and Captain Kirk. Oh, so he kind of, he, he looks at Bones, he looks at Spock, he looks at Kirk and says, how come Sulu wasn't as big a shot? Quite frankly, I think George is currently winning the celebrity game over William Shatner every day of the week. Well, it depends on what game you're playing. If, if, if it means having your own fragrance, like, okay, the, the only reason this fragrance exists is because somebody came up with the name. Oh, my. And O is spelled E-A-U. It's brilliant. Well, it is it's funny how much is it it's 40 bucks on amazon.com but the problem is is you can't buy it until december 15th so it's not going to make it in time to be under the christmas tree this year oh look at this set phasers to stunning (laughs) (laughs) a clean refreshing fragrance for men and women it's got mandarin italian bergamot and fresh ozone what 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 ozone ozone just fire up a welder and you'll get ozone uh, it says here it's available and expected to ship December the 15th. So you can order it now. And, uh, you know, Amazon's pretty good. I mean, you should be able to get this. In the- no, no, no. Look, look, look at the entry. It explicitly states it will not make it in time for Christmas morning. Did you see uh, 60 Minutes this week? No. What did I miss? Uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon. Oh, yeah. And uh, he wants to, he's always about, he's all about getting shipments to customers faster. Oh, you're not going to go with this whole thing about the drone, are you? The drones. Let me show you something. Oh, man. Oh, my God. This. This is. These are octocopters. Yeah. These are uh, effectively drones, but there's no reason that they can't be used as delivery vehicles. Take a look up here so I can show you how it works. All right. We're talking about delivery here. We're talking about delivery. So there's an item going into the vehicle. I know this looks like (laughs) science fiction. It's not. Wow. This is early. This is still years away. Drops the package. There's the package. You come and get your package. And we can do half-hour delivery. Half-hour delivery. Half-hour delivery. And we can carry objects, we think, up to five pounds, which covers 86% of the items that we deliver. That's never going to happen, and you know it. There is a music festival in South Africa where you use an app on your phone saying, I want a beer. And a drone will be dispatched to your location and will parachute a beer to your hand. See, that's all well and good because you're in an open-air event. There's no way a drone would make it to my front door. Well, it depends where the uh, customer fulfillment center is, doesn't it? No, it depends on the fact that I've got a tree out front of my house, and there's no way this thing's going to be able to navigate uh, around it. You know that drone technology is going to advance. No. You know what? I, I, I've i got a, a, a pretty quick hand, and I've played with a drone. I had a Parrot AR drone too, and I got it lodged 150 feet up in the tree. It took me $250 from a cherry picker. To get it down? To get the damn thing out. And it's only a $300 toy. 
but I, I had to put, I had to demonstrate it on TV like two hours later. <laughs> so I had no choice but to call up my arborist and say, could you please come down and uh, pull this thing out of the tree? And they said, uh, yeah, we'll do it for two fifty. And I said, I got an idea. Uh, we'll make you guys the hero in this little TV thing that I've got to do. We'll shoot you pulling the thing down. And they said, actually, thank you, but we don't want to participate because anytime we've ever been on TV for things like cats stuck in a tree or a drone, a $300 toy stuck in a tree, we get inundated with phone calls from people who have problems like that. And it cuts into our real business, which is cutting down trees. I, I see. Okay. I'm just looking at the uh, the story, the 60-minute story here. The idea would be to, li- to deliver packages as quickly as possible using the small unmanned craft through a service the company is calling Prime Air. Bezos played a demo version on 60 Minutes that showed the, how the aircraft, known as octocopters, will pick up packages in a small yellow bucket at Amazon's fulfillment centers and fly through the air to deliver to customers, deliver the items to customers after they hit the buy button online at Amazon.com. The goal of new delivery system is to get packages into customers' hands in 30 minutes or less, uh, the world's largest internet retailer said. There you go. You know what this is? What? This is 21st century jetpacks. Um, it's never going to happen. Maybe, maybe, but listen, tie it all back to George Takai, and oh my, maybe next Christmas we won't have this this disappointment of material not being available for the big day. The last thing you would want is to order George Takai's oh my using one of these drones and then have the thing crash in front of your house. You'd never get the smell out. Um, the makers don't say it, but I think we all know this perfume is mined directly from George Takai's personal sweat glands. As this is the scent he normally exudes. Personally, I would have thought to kind of be more of a sandalwood and rosewater type, but whatever. The celebrity fragrance industry is massive. It's a $30 billion a year business. I know, it's crazy. I don't have a scent. Oh, you have a scent, trust me. (laughs) Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation. Oh, my.